Oh, it's all good. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Couch Guy Hollywood. Here with the latest and greatest movie news in Hollywood. It's Coop. I'm here with Nick. We got just some funny stuff just happened right before uh, we, we got online here. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good. Thank you. Good and, to see uh, you. As you can tell. As you can tell, we have some guests. Yes. Uh, everybody, welcome to the couch. We've got David Laviola and Kyle Jordan Mueller from Romance and Rebellion. Hello. How's it going? How guys? you guys doing? We're doing well. We're excited to have After you here. After the incident that happened behind <laughs> Small us. Incident. Dude, Tell us about that, David. <laughs> uh, well, so I was just, I, I have quick judgmental uh, outbursts about uh, home decorating. <laughs> I felt like this was a little out of place. And uh, we have some meth above it, too. So Yes, Breaking Bad meth. Yeah. That's be, been a trap be... ever since you sat down, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the second has. time now, yes. Yeah. It's rock candy, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Breaking it's not Bad real. rock candy. Correct. Rock candy. I was going to yeah. say, the branding on meth has gotten really good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just have a bag of meth on the wall just for decoration, you know? Production yeah, value. It's the internet, right? It's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. no big deal. It says Breaking Bad, so obviously there's no problems. Sure. Well, uh, thank you for being on today. really appreciate it. Uh, we've been, we had Fames on a couple weeks ago. You guys are a friend of theirs. You guys mm-hmm. played together at the Troubadour, correct? We did. Um, it's a pleasure to have you guys on, as I said. Uh, and I want to I go back to the beginning. I really want to just start, start at the beginning. And I want to start with you, David, because I... Obviously, before coming on, I wanted to just, you know, get to l- learn about you guys a little bit. And I've, uh, you know, deep-dived on you. And just, you have a very interesting past, <laughs> like, I, just so much. <laughs> there's just, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot that I saw. And I'm just very, I don't know, I want to I learn more. I want to know about where it started back okay. in New York. Do I don't you? know. Do I you? do, How yes. Do <laughs> we can go back to the beginning. <laughs> um, so I was born... <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm I'm originally from from New York. Uh, born and raised in New York City. Um, grew up uh, during the heyday of I want to say the garage rock revival. So like I grew up listening to a lot of Strokes. Um, definitely kind of fell into that scene when it was at its height, sort mm. of early mid two thousands. All the 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 bands, you know, the yeah. Strokes. Uh, the Like is a really cool band that I like, too. The um, Hives. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great band. <laughs> Great band. Um, anyway, so I grew up in New York City. Um, I started playing drums first, oddly enough. I did that um, for a good 10 years. What made you, like, what made you stop? And what remo- when you went, like, I don't want to do this necessarily? Like, was there something that, like, stopped you? He's not very good. <laughs> um... <laughs> You would know, right? <laughs> also, fuck you. No, I, I, uh, I decided, I think, really early on, I think, I, I don't like limitations. I don't like feeling mm. like I can only go so far with something. And right away when I started playing drums, like, I, I'm, I'm also super OCD. Mm. So I, when I get involved in stuff, I like to really, really get involved with it. And it sort of, like, absorbs my world. Um, I did four years of really hardcore lessons at uh, this place called the Drummer's Collective, uh, which is just like a super prestigious drum academy above a fucking McDonald's, you know? Um, right. But anyway, I did that for the longest time, and then I joined a band. And when you sort of like go from musical like tutelage to band culture, it's like two different worlds, you know? Right. Educational world, scholastic world meets things where you just kind of want to vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so once I started walk, moving away from the scholastics and of learning music and just really kind of getting into the feeling of music and just living inside of that and, and being creative, um, I think that it wasn't long after that I sort of saw the limits to what 
being a drummer mm. could could do for you. I mean, I I loved playing the drums when when I was heavy into it, but I also loved I loved the the I loved the act of creating like a whole product, you know, whether it's a, a band or whether it's a song or I mean, like even we did a music video yesterday and. And like from start to finish, when you put something together with all these different elements and suddenly it's, it's a vibe or it's, it's a whole piece of art that kind of, that gets me off. So mm. when I was just being a drummer, I knew that I could only take that so far. I joined, uh, I started a band. I've always started bands. I've never like joined bands because it's, you know, why be a part of somebody else's creative vision when you've got so many opinions on what you want to do yourself. I love so, that. It's great. Yeah, so I, I started this band called The Rhodes, um, R-H-O-D-E-S, like the piano or the scholars, depending on which you, angle you look at it from. Um, I started at, and that was, again, during that whole period of garage rock, and, and we were really heavily British invasion influenced. Um, and doing that, I also started singing during that time. Uh, so... I wanted, we, we started out doing covers of old Beatles songs and really wanted to learn what songs influenced them and what artists influenced them. And once you start to go down that path of like, well, let's cultivate this brand, you start to want to have your watermark on something unique and original. Um, so in having the desire to write songs, you, you need you need to branch out. So I learned piano and guitar sort of at the same time, just as utensils. I'm not a great guitar player by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I don't even really do it anymore aside from in a writing situation. Um, but learning piano and guitar, having the rhythmical background, all of that sort of influenced how things came together. Uh, I was in that band for six years, I want to say. Did some cool stuff. But everything sort of like, you know, having a band is like a relationship. Right. And I haven't found a relationship that works <laughs> super long term. And I think that that's sort of the thing is when you know that something isn't working, it's got a shelf life. Um, so the band that I was with, you know, people fall out of it and get sort of disenchanted with the process. It's being in the industry is super trying like emotion you have to have like super thick skin emotional fortitude to be able to like persevere through whatever you're going through um and i was young and the people that i was in a band with were young too and and you know we just decided to sort of call it quits um i also had a lot of uh a really pretty severe issue with alcohol that now i'm you know five years sober if i haven't changed years sober Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but it was, uh, it, that also had a lot to do with it. Right. You know, when you add a, a substance into the mix, we were just talking about this in the car, but when you add substances into the mix, they, they like magnify already underlying issues that you're not even dealing with, right. you know? Um, so anyway, uh, I, you know, stopped being so uh, music oriented for about a year and really fell into just drinking, which mm. was uh, which was, was tough. It was like you know, it was a point dark. It was a dark place. We right. went to the dark place, um, and then I I had sort of a a moment where I realized that okay, well if shit is not working out here, and I feel like the opportunities aren't here for me with the contacts that I have, or even just the style of music that I liked. Like I like pop music. I like writing it. I like playing it. Um, even back in the sort of 
2010s, 2011, 2012, like pop was still rock oriented to a large degree. You had stuff like Kings of Leon, um, but that was pop songwriting. Um, And I knew that that wasn't really as accepted, as widely accepted in places like New York as it was in other places. So one day I was like riding the subway and uh, I just, you know, had this sort of moment where I was listening to something that I recorded because I'm super narcissistic and I love to listen to my own music. Um, I was listening to something that I recorded and I was like, well, fuck, this is really good. You know, I want to, I want to take this, I want to move forward with this, you know, because I'd been just bound to writing all of this indie rock music. So I, I just, I got above ground and I called people and I thought like, where can I go that this is acceptable? And, And I said, well, hey, I've been to LA once, like what would you think? I called people that I knew, friends, family members, like, what would you think if I just, you know, kind of saved up a little bit of money and went? So I did. And people loved the idea. And, and I, I saved up some money. I moved to LA. Um, and I was here for probably two months and then I got sober. And that is like an undertaking in and of itself. Oh, for so sure. like music oh, yeah. was not quite yet at the forefront of my time here. Um, but it quickly became six months later. I was I was writing all the time. I was demoing, and I went into the studio with the intention of sort of putting together a collection of songs. Um, but I despise the idea of being a singer songwriter. <laughs> I grew up in band culture. Right. I grew up idolizing bands, being a part of something bigger. It's like fucking Batman. You know what I mean? Like it's Bruce Wayne. He's cool or whatever. But Batman is the <laughs> shit, you know. Yeah. So I wanted to be—I wanted to be a part of something. I love the camaraderie. I love like the, the, the brotherhood, the fraternal kind of aspect to it. And so when I started writing songs, I really felt like I wanted to manipulate that into a, a brand, a package. And I knew I couldn't do that as a singer-songwriter. Yeah. You're married to like the Ed Sheeran vibe or, or right. the whatever in flavor of the week that is. And I didn't want to do that. Um, so I didn't have any sort of like predilections about what kind of music it was going to be. I just, I knew that it was like pop oriented. Um, and I went in search of people. I mean, obviously, you know, when anyone comes to LA, they sort of hit the ground running and, and try little things to like, you know, open mic nights and just kind of like dick around in different circles. Um, but I, I used Craigslist. I got, I, I went on Craigslist and, uh, I, I, I found Kyle was, I think the first person out of anybody of the original people that were involved in the project, Kyle was the first one that I reached out to. And that was because he had a he, he had an advert on Craigslist for a drummer uh, and the website was really cool. And I was like, oh, this guy's, all right, cool. At least he's not a doofus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aesthetics have always been super important to me. Like, I don't want to be shallow about it, but I want to be able to to have a, a group of people that I surround myself with that I know are holding themselves together and, like, composed and look good. Um, of course. And Kyle important. was definitely like that. He also had some really rad drum covers uh, online if if anybody's I, interested, I actually have seen some of them. There are some really good drums. <laughs> They're so haircuts. fucking good. I they don't really care about the are. haircuts. Like, <laughs> the haircuts were whatever. Uh, but some of the drum covers, and you were doing stuff like you did a ke- like. I like Kesha. I don't care who out there knows it. Like <laughs> old I, Kesha, new Kesha. Uh, pre- 
All Kesha. You and old Kesha, not in between Kesha. Yeah, right. no, no. Yeah. Let's just let's. I, I am not supporting in any kind of way <laughs> Dr. Luke and any kind of bullshit that he yeah. put that woman through. But having said that, man, that guy can produce some good music. Uh, That's uh, true. What were the? There was Animal and this Cannibal. There, there's two albums. Records, yeah. Warrior is Warrior, or is that a song? That's a song from an album. Yeah, I, I hope think that was the. Name that's the third song. record. Is it? Oh, is that the record? Yeah. So, okay. uh, Animal was first, mm -hmm. and yeah. that's the one with like TikTok and uh, what? Uh, what? Anyway, he a bunch sleazy? of hits. No, sle oh, sleazy's cannibal? on the second one. <laughs> it's just like sleazy. Uh, Warrior, there's Rainbow. Oh, you're. I don't, I don't, I've never heard Rainbow, but I can yeah, tell I've you right now, Rainbow. it's not something that's going to tickle my fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the second record had this tune on it called Sleazy that has just these dirty fucking 808 drums. Mm. And he did a drum cover of that. You also did a Katy Perry cover. I did see that one. And I love Katy Perry. <laughs> that's my favorite one. My hair was jet black and slicked back and then oh so you I looked great I looked that's great. why i see a little skinnier too. i early Katy perry too i have a was huge that the first one that was one the of first the first ones one that really took off it was weird because i'm sorry to cut no you no off. please you no, talk are you sure are you i'm sure? fucking tired <laughs> so after all that drummer knocking nonsense <laughs> i play drums uh and i found it to be pretty fulfilling that's great. not what you tell me all the time no so anyway but no the, that Katy perry one it was great worked with my buddy matt on that one, uh, and Patrick actually, we have a video director that we always use because he's like a friend of his. He's yeah. a great director. His name is Patrick All Lawrence. All great St. Louis people, super talented oh, yeah. people. Shout and uh, but no, I was I was going in to do. I don't even remember what I was doing. Is at, at the very beginning when I was going in to do something, and I like hopped on YouTube and was like, it just popped up, and it was like the lyric video. There wasn't mm. anything. Teenage Dream, and I was like, great, this song, is KP. amazing. I was like, I called my buddy Matt. I was like, hey, I'm gonna change this I, last minute. Like, is that cool? Because I'd always have to send in the track, make sure everything was cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that kind of really started everything taking off. And you know, I didn't do anything different, but I wrote a drum part in like a couple hours, and we tracked it the next morning, and it was pretty great well i'm curious to know about your past then what where like where did you come from what have you been doing where did where did drums come into your life like when did what other subsections of craigslist can we find postings by kyle uh, jordan know, mueller encounters you know things like misconnections casual encounters <laughs> get your shit right okay as somebody that's a craigslist <laughs> aficionado I was just combining the two to save you guys some time. Um, of course. Missed encounters. I have no idea. I just heard that somewhere. <laughs> the, the encounter never happened. <laughs> so how would what would the what would the ad be like? Uh, Go on. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> uh, where did I start playing drums? Yeah. So I I literally I've always loved music. My dad was a drummer. I didn't really know that. Um, but I was just really into music. I can remember like being called in from like riding bikes and playing in the yard. When like Metallica was on the MTV Music Awards in like '94 or something, and just being like, "Oh my God," which is hilarious because Lars Ulrich is not the most talented drummer. I'll say it on air. That's cool. <laughs> Lars Ulrich is shit. Okay, uh, he is fucking. And dog he took shit. away my Napster and Kazaa and all that shit. So I don't like you, Lars. No. Um. So anyway, <laughs> but honestly, those records were so influential and just I was just into it. So I literally set up a couch drum set. My dad took me to 
Dale's Music in Hazelwood, Missouri and got me some drumsticks and I think a little practice pad. And I would just set up the practice pad, a kitchen chair, and some pillows, and just like it's oh, pathetic. Yeah. It was super sad. I love the 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 names. Like, what was it? Hazel Hazelwood, Missouri. That's where I'm from. D- Dale's what? Dale's music. Dale's music in Hazelwood, Missouri. Like, it's I love I love these sounds. little nooks. That's great. It's not as country as it sounds. But anyway, yeah, doing that and like literally, I played to music via like the stereo in the living room for a year until my parents were cool enough and got me a drum set and uh i just started playing there was no cymbals on that drum set until i made the the a hockey team <laughs> uh big hockey fan but that's a whole other thing but uh but yeah got some hi-hats eventually got to ride some on this and built a drum set and just that's what i did for fun like it was it was hockey and it was you know school was important um and then it was it was music and it was just something i did so never thought i would make a living from it never thought i would in bands i just always mm. did it because i like playing drums to green day and foo fighters and real big fish and mighty mighty boston's and whatever was cool in 1995 96 like when i got a kit right um so that's just kind of how it all started so before obviously meeting david on craigslist the great the great place that is craigslist uh what were you encounters <laughs> yes of course what were you doing before were there any bands or Shit. things you were working on <laughs> he's doing fucking nothing okay <laughs> not entirely true uh i was in bands that made money um, mm. No. <laughs> what were those bands, and where have they gone, Kyle? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but live music isn't a thing anymore. Uh, no. So I was I I'd moved to L.A. It was for music mainly. It was for weather. It was for a change of pace. It was for so many things. But um, yeah, I, w- I was I was playing in different bands, and just like he said, when when you move to L.A., you just kind of like you have to be at some point where you're just like you're ready for a change. So you you move. And you just give it everything you got and you go to open mics and you literally put out Craigslist ads and you talk to anybody and you do anything for free, not even for money, for anything. And you give everybody a chance. So I was pretty much at that point. So lucky for David, that's where he came in (laughs) with a couple of decent sounding songs. And I was just like, sure, I'll give this guy a chance. Uh, And uh, no, but like for real though, like it, it was kind of at that point where it was like, all right, well, there were some things that are making money and some cover gigs and things like that. And and he came through and like, you know, I mean, think of Craigslist. I'm sure we've all had ads on there and no, you know, you get the craziest stuff. Um, right. You know, sometimes you get offered to clean out like hamster cages for, you know, nickels and maybe you never get paid for that. But uh, this was cool. And, and the songs he kind of shared uh, were all really, were all really good. You could definitely tell the British invasion kind of thing and they sounded very Beatlesy, but there was one in particular sounded like Katy Perry early Katy Perry one of the boys and I was like this song I like this song and uh we actually got it wasn't to one of the that. it was off one of the off boys one of the boys yeah it was called the Lost. song was called Lost yeah. great song great song and anyway great record might have been a rip but it was it was something that I was like no. you know what okay this is cool this doesn't sound like the Beatles I could get into this and uh so yeah that we just Started from there and started rehearsing and playing these songs. Big fan of like moving things quickly, so it yeah. didn't. It really didn't take very long to to get up and running. As, as yeah. A so what did you once you guys got together? What was your like plan? Did you have a plan of action on what you guys were gonna do? Were you just like let's just make some good music and go from there? Like what, um, what was your well. The the whole project has always centered around the songwriting. Yeah. So like I'll write a song and I'll bring it into the guys, and the guys will be like. 
that's great or we need to cut this down or edit this or like that's totally shit we just should never touch that again put it in the burn pile right um and so that's always how we've operated it'll be something that i bring in and then the guys put like a their own they'll arrange it um it's it depends on how you look at songwriting mm-hmm. um but from my school of thought or from this the place where i was you know raised and came up in music songs are basically chords lyric melody and then everything else that goes in addition to that and obviously nowadays it's a little different because a lot of times producers have hands and arranging mm-hmm. and, and yada 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 but basically the the songs that we started the band with were a compilation of stuff that i had come to the table with that was unusable for the last project because it was too poppy. Mm. So some, some of it was older material that I had been sitting on. Some of it was material that I had written when I had just gotten to LA and gotten sober but knew that I was going to push my own certain like pop agenda. And I, we basically, one of the first things that we actually did was just basically jump into the studio. Like we were right out of the gate with that first EP that we did. Within six months, we were inside tracking that ep um and if you've ever like done and and put together a project and wanted to go to the studio you know that you need to have assets meaning like more than just you can't like if you're gonna record a three song ep you can't just have three songs and be like this 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 is it this is my ep (laughs) um so i think one of the first things that we did and and what really like galvanized the band and the project from the beginning before kyle was even you know, before we even set foot in the room were the songs. And like, he's got a, a, an amazing taste in music. We share a lot of the same tastes. When what it are comes some of the tastes? I'm curious for both of you. Sorry. To I mean, we both love, I love pop music. I know that, that he also loves pop music. You had a, like a whole pop punk background that I did not have at all. Mm. I, I never went to Warp Tour before we played it. And Which I I'd did. love to get into it a little bit. By yeah, the sure, way, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I never, I never liked that at all. That wasn't, that was not my bag. We did that for the the intermediate, our sophomore EP. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of took it down the Fallout Boy, Five Seconds of Summer, kind of thing. That's awesome. But um, I mean, obviously, grew up listening to the Beatles. I love all that Motown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Little Richard, R.I.P. Just died not oh. too long ago. He had um, a good run. He did have a really good run. Um, and then yes, once I started getting into pop music, I, I, I love Bruno Mars. I love Bruno Mars. I love Katy Perry. Um, all that stuff just super works for me. Early Lady Gaga. Now the stuff that she's making is not my favorite. <laughs> it's a little different. Um, and then if we're talking about like, in the now kind of music. Um, I like Billy. I think Billy's fantastic. I also like, I like a lot of the stuff that's on the radio. Um, Lauv is cool. Mm. Um, yeah. What do you like? I'm big into country music. Really? Oh, that is right. I like pop stuff, but it can get, it can get real old real fast. There's a couple, you know, that stand out. Dua Lipa. Fantastic. Up. You know, old new Kesha, not intermediate Kesha. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, like there's, there's, it's like hit and miss, just like anything. I mean, even country music, there's a lot of just recycled garbage out there, and um, there's some that stand out in every genre. So I think at the end of the day, I just like a good song, and you know. But right. if I had, if I had to pick, I'd, I'd throw on, you know, country music on Spotify or whatever, like new country or whatever. But. Yeah, that would be my answer. Awesome. That's sweet. The greatest thing about country music, I feel like like a lot of 
country music is really good writing. It's just really like clever, good writing. And I feel like in a lot of pop music, sort of it leans on the production a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. To, to sort of make the song better than it is. Mm-hmm. And I, but I feel like with country music, and I'm not a, even a huge fan of country. Like it, it starts out as a good song before it even most gets, of the time. Most of the time, well, I mean, I, you know, it's less relatable for me. Right, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, so we pretty much hit the ground running with with the music. Um, I had had some some of the songs already before I I even came to LA. I'd had some of the songs from from just getting to LA and starting to the process of writing, and then um, we like picked ones that we liked and started from you know a little bean pile of of three songs. Like let's get these three songs together, and then it grew and grew and grew. Um, we did our first EP within that first six month period. It was like was it six songs or five? I think it's five. Five with some yeah. edits and some... Yeah, yeah. I threw on all the like the edited radio versions for people who don't want to hear cross words. Um, Man, but that's we, nice of you. Yeah, no, I can, you know. Um, for a couple people out there who were like, oh, I want the clean version. Well, then you are not going to like listening to me talk. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we hit the ground running. We, we started immediately writing music. Um, I had also found the other guy, Aaron, uh, uh, who is the guitar player, uh, through Craigslist as well. So like Craigslist was just hitting. used to be used to be hidden. <laughs> now it's it, now it's for It messes. used to be great. Now it's mostly for people who just want to rant. I feel like it's 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 definitely a weird place now. I'm not sure what happened to it. I think it was it's always they started charging you. That's what started happening to it. It charges yeah, you. Yeah, they charge you to like post really? things. Yeah, I used to do like drum lesson ads and even stuff like that. And if you want to post anything, unless you do like a certain sections, community, like certain you do that, sections. you could do it. But yeah, if you're like looking for business, yeah. they charge you like five that bucks That is right. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, before I move on, mind money. if I say something? Uh, you, you, Kyle, you were talking about, you know, uh, when you're listening to music, you're looking for things that stand out. Uh, to you guys, what is it that, you know, what do you, when you're creating, how do you make your music stand out? You know? Um... I like to, I think first and foremost, when I, I think it's a really, it's a funny word that gets tossed around a lot and misused and sort of like overused is this word vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's a vibe, dude. And that's, that's fine if, if you want to like label a ton of stuff in, inside this like blanket umbrella term. But a lot of times something just needs to kind of, there's just something about it whether or not it's a melody whether it's chord progression whether it's like a lyric i mean paul mccartney said uh that like literally if you have a, an amazing song title 80 percent of the songs are already written it's mm. already the battle's already won you know what i mean so i feel like whatever it is it will never at least for me it never even makes it to a place where i'm willing to invest in the song enough to write it and finishing the process of writing it if it hasn't already got something about it that I know somebody else is going to listen to and be like, I like that. I, that's, that's a vibe or that's got vibe to it. Um, that's one of the things. And the other thing is like, it's really limiting sometimes when you write with like an acoustic guitar or a piano. Yeah. So you need vision. You need to have a scope on on where the song can go. I think one of the biggest assets to that uh, is potentially being able to sort of have visualizers. I, I always like to write songs that like I can instantly feel like I can see the music video, whether or not you know like it's a like a 
pouring it's pouring rain or or like you know all these these visual things in my head that I can see um in recent history I've I've started writing a lot using sort of like um uh, like niche references, things like oh, I want to write a song like like this most recent song that that uh, we just released called Think Twice. Um, I remember when we we were in the studio, re- we were recording a completely different song, mm. and we were in that studio, and I was just thinking to myself, how fucking cool would it be to write a song like? like Bobby Brown's like my prerogative. And that was just mm. such a heavy reference for that track that if you listen to Think Twice, you'd be like, that's that's kind of here to the Oh, yo, yo, totally. Oh, yeah. Um and and I like writing like that now because mm. I think people crave familiarity I, oh, but yeah. in a way that they've never like a oh my twist God. on a on a on a something they know. Totally. Yes. How many people do you know go to the bar or club and then you know get a little drunk and the second uh uh you know uh it's gonna be me by instinct comes on. They're just like all over that. They're all over it. They want that familiarity. People want to hear things that they've never heard before, but they also want to hear it in in ways that they can feel like, okay, cool. This isn't too far out of the realm of possibility that I don't know where it's gonna go. It's not too shocking. Um, so when I write a when I write and when we arrange and do any of that stuff, um, it needs to it needs to have vision. I need to see the end result before. I'm never like a like. Let's put it in neutral and roll it down the hill and see where it goes. Like that that method of of doing things never works for me. And maybe that's like you know a control thing. But <laughs> whatever. Right. Um, so speaking of music videos, you brought it up. So most people like like to make music videos, but other people don't. And I know you guys. You recently are working on stuff. So what is your thoughts when you think of music? Do you think I know you had just brought up you like to think of music videos when you're making songs? But is it always like that? Or is it like, you know, we know that this song is going to be a good music video compared to others? Like, what is your, and in general, thought process on music videos? Like, I don't know. I'm just curious what you think about them. Like, do you think it helps amplify your voice for the song? That's a better question. I mean, anything that you can do to create like a 360 all-encompassing it's like a band is no longer just songs. It's not. It's it's no longer just uh, music that you record and listen to. It's not like when people were ingesting songs in the fifties and sixties, where it, it it you know the, the visuals were part of it, but they didn't have music videos. It was just like you know if you turned on Ed Sullivan, you could see those people, and everyone got super excited about it. Right now, you can literally the quality of what we have at our disposal to create is so available. Mm-hmm. to everybody and it's so high that there's really not a whole lot of excuse there are some excuses obviously money is always something that comes into play right. but if if we had the budget to do it like a video for every single song would be amazing even if it's oh, yeah. not a single just a, a b-side or something mm-hmm. like that but there's such it, there's something to be said for giving people the more you give people, the more that they'll understand who you are as an artist, what you want to deliver to them. Everything from fashion choices to, you know, what the graphics for a single. I mean, I, now I used to work with a graphic designer for for our singles. Now I, I do a lot of the graphic design oh, really? stuff for the singles because it's it's just that extra little piece of art that like look I, it's not like i like it i don't like sit there and i'm like oh, you know what i really want to do is learn photoshop like no that shit sucks but 
There is something to be said. Yeah, exactly. There is something to be said for being able to learn the process and then having the control. And then I have a great team of people with the guys that I work with that I know I can pitch them. Even this most recent single, I had a completely different graphic for it. And I pitched it to the guys and they were like... Uh, no, that's shit. Garbage. It, like <laughs> garbage. It, it 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 wasn't. It didn't hit the mark. Let's be polite about it. it didn't hit the mark for them. And I I want to respect that because it's it's our collective vision and brand that we're putting out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, for what it's worth, anything that you can get your hands on and get get to really you know, creating it yourself is going to like reek of the brand. So you should do it. You should definitely be able to, to create your own. There's a amazing book called, uh, steal like an artist. And it was like super influential to me is by this guy, Austin Cleon. And one of his big, his, the, one of the big takeaways is like, build your world, whatever world you want to live in, whatever, like, brand you want to create you build it from the ground up with all these little things that like matter to you um and then people will either come and love it or come and hate it and you know we were just watching uh music videos before we came oh yeah oh yeah we say what artist that is go Uh, we were talking we i i uh had shown kyle oliver tree oh you guys you guys are familiar with oliver tree yeah and I feel like he's like he's almost like Takashi Six Nine, right? Mm. In this, he's in, in the way that like it's such an uh, uh, a strong. It's almost unmistakable what what they are as a human as like a, as a brand. I mean, Takashi Six Nine is a way different thing than <laughs> Oliver Tree, right? Just a little different, but. <laughs> You still like you get it pretty instantly. You're like, wow. There's like there's humor. There's darkness in Oliver Tree. It's like a little grungy. There's like all of these. I mean, he's like he's got a very like he's bringing in you know his sort of like superimposed '90s weird shit with his like pipe leg Jinko jeans and his like. I love that guy. He's so cool. Windbreaker. He's such a weird, funky guy. He's totally weird and funky. That is, uh, to say the least. It's just, he's so cool. I don't know. It's cool to see something like that in an industry where it's a lot of, um, I don't want to say similarities, but in the pop industry, there's a lot of similarities. And it's cool to see someone just completely break those stereotypes and just do something that's crazy. But also, he's, I think, number one on alternative charts right now and number 14 on the top charts in general, which is crazy and awesome. Take it even further. You look at somebody like Billie, Billie Eilish. Right. She's that is an amazingly put together brand. It's an amazingly put together brand. The people that have cultivated and helped her to create from start to finish her world is super. It's super absorbent. You just want to like you want to live inside it. You want to like. There's all these different elements, hip hop culture that she's living oh, in, yeah. singer songwriter bedroom pop culture, and she's taking that and now bringing that to a mainstream. She found huge success with it. Yeah. Um. But but these people, like, I don't think there's anybody behind Oliver Tree. Uh. That right. that dude's like conceptualizing <laughs> and doing his own thing. Who is the little Dicky? Little yeah. Dicky, yeah. Little Dicky. Yeah, I just think the like a video will doesn't make or break a song, but if you're sitting there like he shows me Oliver Tree, never heard of it, and I'm like, mm. first time I'm hearing the song is I'm it's an audio visual thing. I'm seeing the video, I'm seeing the artist. We were checking out uh, '90s kids. We were checking mm. out uh, Easy Life, Easy Life, like all these things, and like it's such a different thing. Like if someone's like, hey, check out this <clears throat> this song, this band, and you hear it, you know, you could be in your car, you could be 
taking a shower, taking a crap. You could be doing whatever you want, but like when you're like visualizing something, you're seeing who these people are. You know, it could be guys, girls, bands, artists, whatever it is. Uh, funny videos, like really great videos, simple videos. It just does something. Um, and I always find that interesting because I feel like a lot of the times that I personally uh, uh, hear music for the first time is just the song. Mm. And then I go find out a video. And not even that much. It's not like, you know, there's no MTV anymore. Uh, no box. No whatever you watch. Fuse. Like, there's nothing like that where you're just like perusing the, you know, the TV. And you're like, oh, that's a great song. You know, it's super <laughs> cool. Like, it's like half the time it's like, holy shit, that's what that person looks like. Or Oh, yeah. You know, so for me, it's like, even if it's a bad video, sometimes you can really like connect with it or think like, damn, I should have never watched that or whatever it may be. But I think videos are a, are a really cool way to just add a, another dimension to your sound. Hmm. Uh, and so I do kind of want to go off topic completely. We had brought it up. You had brought it up a little bit. Um, you guys have been at, uh, I, I don't want to say, I, I'll say festivals, but multiple different places. South by Southwest, um, mm -hmm. Emo Night, you went to uh, Warp Tour. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just want to know, like, how, tell me about the whole experience. Tell me how you, it came to be. Uh, like, these are just, it's very interesting to me, and it's, I would love to just know more. Yeah, so for, for, when we when we started the project, I think it had an air of poppiness to it that sort of detoured mm. when we went to do our second EP. I think we were drawing a lot of influence from from people that we were looking at. That that I mean, we liked the music. Uh, I I like Five Seconds of Summer. I, I I think they're a cool band, and I think we were we were definitely trying to chase some of those coattails. And I think it also had a lot to do with like it's kind of it's easy to put sort of British invasion style songwriting with some power chords yeah. and suddenly it's 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 pop rock. That's exactly <laughs> how it is. Like you can and you can you can hear it that a lot of these people <clears throat> that are that are in that scene are doing that. So when we started out we weren't doing necessarily pop rock. And then toward the end uh there's one or two cuts on the first EP that kind of have a little bit more of that uh, pop rock kind of vibe the next best thing which is off of the first EP more than friends those two songs are super super duper pop rock mm. when we went to go and do our second EP we were we sort of fell into a little bit more of a world because we're you know we were a band and we had guitars we're like okay well let's just kick on some distortion and then like it'll make everything sound cooler um, but we it opened up doors and it closed ones that mm. that picking a lane does for you. And that's, that's what it is as an artist is you're essentially saying like, okay, well we all want to get to the big pond. We all want to get to the ocean, but what, what stream are we going to go down? And some streams narrow and you don't get as much opportunity coming your way. Uh, when we started doing sort of more of the like real heavy pop rock stuff, we, um, we got a lot of those opportunities mm. like Babs and the people from emo night are just, they built an amazing platform, and they are all about uh, elevating local artists. They do it all That's the awesome. time. Um, and like I said, they built an amazing platform. I mean, they they just basically reached out to us, or I, you know, and and they treat you super well. You go and do it, and you're part of. You get to say that you're part of this sort of alumni of people that have done emo night, which is like if anyone's ever been to emo night, it like the lines out the door, around the corner, completely around the block. There's hundreds of people that go yeah. to see that. So that was something that was just like, 
we had built up a, a local enough of a local presence that that we were given the offer, which was really awesome. Um, Warp Tour was a very interesting situation uh, because it was it was like it was a contest prize. Oh, really? Like, yeah. That's so, awesome. so we we entered into a contest that was. I th- what it was a string brand. It was like Ernie there, Ball. Ernie, yeah, it was Ernie oh, Ball. Okay, yeah. So Ernie Ball put out this thing, and like I'm, I'm such a like, a, and I'm, I'm antsy all the time. I need to do shit. So, so I, I found this opportunity, and Ernie Ball was touting that like, oh, you know, like if people like vote for you on a regular basis, then you know you could pitch yourself up through brackets, and like the winner of the semi, if you win your bracket, you get to go and perform wherever your local regional warp mm. tour is happening, which is how we got to go and play in Pomona. Um, I think overall, like the experience, as the question was asked, uh, okay. was I don't know, for me it was like super <laughs> cool. Uh, I grew up when when you know. Matchbook Romance and Fallout Boy and Mayday Parade and that was like your idols. Like you just and I would go to Warp Tour every single year and I actually won the Ernie Ball contest oh. with a band back in twenty uh, or two thousand seven. Really? really? Yeah. The Vanity Affair. Shout out. What up? That's and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> but uh, back in St. Louis and we did like St. Louis and Kansas City, same kind of thing. But to be to go back and and be your adult self and to play one of the last second to last Warped i think it was the second, second to last, last Warped, yeah. and and then the emo night it was kind of just like you became your hero for a second and you were at these places and actually crazy enough we got to meet and watch and uh it was a uh, uh, goldfinger was playing and they were actually oh. playing with um uh i'm gonna think not remember anybody's names but uh <laughs> mxpx uh, it was the bassist, bassist and and the Phil Sneed from uh, Story of the Year uh, was on guitar, and the Matchbook Romance drummer was. <laughs> I was just like, "What is happening? Yeah. This is like Warp Tour 2006, 2005, all over again." And it was just like it was it was just crazy to be kind of a part of it, especially at the tail end of it. So I think, at least for me, it was just like a nice little. Wow, that was a really w- good way to go out. So, how is it c- compared to other shows that you guys did? So, like, obviously, it's it's a big difference, I would assume. So, how is it like going into it? Did you like pre- did you like prepare differently? Was there any sort of like okay, like this is kind of like you know, or were you just very like calm about it and just trying to not think of it that way? We've always been a super rehearsed band. That's good. Like, it's we like a shows a show. That's awesome. It's always like. Two days a week rehearsal, three hours, two hours of rehearsal from day one. That's always what it's been. Like sometimes we mod a day here and there, but it's 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 like a job, you know? Like mm-hmm. you show up because you need to make sure that you are well put together and that the product is really put together. So I don't think we did anything super special for Warp Tour. Just like tailoring the set maybe to like what, you know, when our set is, who we think we're going to be playing for. Mm. You know, Emo Night was way different than Warp Tour, which is like a daytime thing. And like, you just want to, we had, you know, the set time. And it's a big stage. It's a big stage Mm. and a set time. And so I think, I think it was, that was our, one of our shortest sets. It was like 18 minutes or Something like that. It was, it, was, it was quick, so we just were like, you know, we didn't want to slow it down. We just right. wanted to hit them with everything you got. So I think in terms of preparing, we'll, you know, we take the time to choose what our set's going to be like, but we treat any show like it's the pig and whistle or, you know, warp tour or whatever it is. Yeah, every audience that you ever play to is going to be a, a different audience. And depending on what you're trying to come across as, I mean, now we, we have a whole set and it like, 
it flows and it's got all this like sort of like you know crossover interlude kind of stuff that happens i think going to warp tour was one of the first times you really realize the level of backing tracks that everyone are using i mean he's been nowadays nowadays well i mean going back i again i i I wasn't a participant in that kind of culture growing up but like now you're looking up on stage and like holy shit there's like three guys there and it sounds fucking huge like how are they doing that and I, i i remember asking him you know a day or two after and he was like yeah, dude, everyone's got backing tracks. <laughs> They've all got everything that they're doing in duplicate. Right. Um, so it's almost like, you know, it really enhances, like, there's three guys on stage. There's no one playing the fucking tambourine, you know what I mean? That's no one on the side uh, that's of the on stage. The, exactly, that's not <laughs> happening. Um, and so that was kind of an eye-opening addition and something that we took away from the show. But going into it, it's just like he said, like, because it was such a short set, I remember us saying, like, we want to come out of the gate super hard. We've always had, like, really dramatic music, especially, like, in at the top of the set. If you're trying to keep it up, you're obviously just going to be, like, faster in tempo. Of course. But it was definitely the type of situation where we tailored this set a little bit and, and just did our best. And it, our best seems to always be pretty all right. So, you know. That's great. And then what about, uh, you guys also had, what was it, two shows at South by Southwest? Was yeah, it? they were like, South by was interesting because it's uh, it's like musicians spring break. Yeah. It's definitely a, an interesting vibe compared to these other, these it, other things. It is. And like at South by, you can book stuff at South by and get there and you realize you're like, oh, they're touting this as a venue, but really it's a bookstore. <laughs> And thankfully, thankfully, we didn't have that kind of situation happen to us. But like literally in the city of Austin, and, and I'm, I've spent a fair amount of time there now at this point, like in the city of Austin, everything becomes a venue. Some are unofficiated, some are officiated, some are like big stages, small stages, some are like, you know, at weird hours in the day, like nine in the morning, you're playing a show. Getting to South by was an interesting process. Like we did, we didn't have a, we didn't have any kind of mode of transport at that particular oh. time. We were all just kind of showing up at the gig, driving separately. But this was, I think, the second year of the band. Yeah, tell them about your daily driver. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Van. Oh well, so when we when we originally went to South, got the opportunity to go to South by, we were like, well. How the fuck are we gonna get down there? Right. Like, are we gonna rent a van, which is expensive? That plus gas in and of itself is super expensive. So we we did a GoFundMe and raised like five grand, um, thanks to amazing friends, family, and fans. That's awesome. Uh, and that served as a down payment for the van. And then we we drove to Austin from L.A. in like a. It, it was almost was, overnight. We stopped for like five hours. It was horrible. Wow. And then we played two back-to-back shows in the heat. Two back-to-back shows. And now having, again, spent time in Texas in the summer. It is hot. Oh, it was like, oh. It wasn't even summer yet, but it was it was hot. When so. we rolled in, we, so we, we, got to, we stopped in El Paso mm. for the night. And when we stopped, we stopped there for like a handful of hours. It couldn't have been more than five hours. Enough for Aaron to forget my pillow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, that we didn't forget it in. in oh yeah, never mind. It was, so that was the next time. Anyway, so we stopped. <laughs> in, thing. We stopped in a yeah. This guy, I, said, I don't forget. You know. Uh, so we stopped in El Paso, and we had maybe five hours to be there, and we probably slept two of those five hours. Oof. So we got up and then continued to drive. 
Um, and we kind of took shifts and it was kind of a little bit dangerous and we definitely got there in, in just over 24 hours. But when we rolled in, I don't think we had more than an hour until we played from the time that we, that we actually got into the city of Austin. It was kind of like a photo finish. So we got in, we went and we played our first show, which was cool when you don't get a lot of sleep and then you got to sing. Mm. And then we had another show later on the night. It's, it's a little, it's a, it's a little nerve wracking, but it, South by is a great. It's it's a great time. I mean, it, mm. it's something to do if you're in the industry. I think everybody at some point in time wants to do it, uh, and then you do it, and you're like, "That was a great experience. <laughs> that was a cool experience. That was let's cool. <laughs> let's move let's move past this." Right. Um, so yeah, it was cool. So that van they brought up, where where is that? Oh, it's what parked are, outside. It is currently is it parked really? outside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, like, why? So someone's got to take over payments yeah. on things. All right. Should have I, tried to go fund me for that too. <laughs> oh no. So I had a car that I owned, and I was paying personally to also. It was like owning two cars. Right. And so I was like, well, hell no. <laughs> I am just going to get rid of the, the car that I have and just use the, the van as a day-to-day vehicle. So now yeah. I have the pleasure of driving around a Ford, <laughs> a Ford an eight-person Ford, what is it? Econoline? Econo, no, no, Econoline is like the, the shitty one. It's it's a <laughs> it's the better one. <laughs> it's a nice van. It dude. was a nice van until when? Uh, until you parked it in Hollywood. Uh. Oh, it's t- t- Hollywood's <laughs> just all right. Whatever. Someone stole one of the mirrors off the side uh, of hubcaps. Hub yeah, <laughs> slowly just deteriorating, but it's great. What are you gonna do? It's you know the those people they need to eat too. I don't know exactly how (laughs) much blue rock will get you. uh, How how much two hubcaps worth of blue rock will get you? I don't know. (laughs) But daddy's gotta eat. You (laughs) know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Cooper, are there any questions from over there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a little curious. You know that everything you did, that whole story you told at South by. You know, like man, that's. A lot of anxiety, follow, you know, a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. I, my question for you is, you know, were there any takeaways? I think this is, a, you know, probably just up to your entire career, both of you guys. Uh, and moving forward, you know, anything, any takeaways, anything you guys learned from your experiences? Maybe learn, you know, from other experiences that you, you're going to use into your career moving forward. Kyle? From South By specifically? Or yeah, yeah, or anything, yeah. A couple years ago now, and it's not even that. <laughs> I actually played it twice uh, with a different band, and all I remember of that is just you can't park anywhere. Ugh. So it's it's and playing drums <laughs> that's, that's is the, the absolute worst, worst instrument. I will to say lug that around. So I say if you were wherever you're playing, how did you even get the? Where did you? How did you even do that? The then? first time there was a cart that the venue had, and when we went, Ugh. they're kind enough to where it's like moving into college. With yeah, the that everybody kind of grabs something, and and it's not even a whole drum set because they have backline kits and everything like yeah. that. But I guess my takeaway from every experience is I is I should have been a singer. <laughs> to be honest, but I don't know what kind of world you you're living in. <laughs> not even in this band, just in general. Yeah, it's it better like, not be in this band because there is always I, a helping hand help coming this from this area. But yeah, if I could have learned anything, I would have. I would have been a singer. Definitely. Kyle Jordan Sweet. Mueller, <laughs> l- least amount of work as possible, all the time yeah. <laughs> for the most amount of money. All right. Um, I I don't know. I think I think that being involved in a project and creating something uh is a huge learning experience 
Because there's all these little, like, piddly, intrinsic little bullshit experiences. Problems that you have to circumvent. I mean, like, on a daily basis. Everything, life, uh, there's an expression, life prepares you for life, right? So you do something, and the first time you do it, yeah, okay, you know, it kind of sucked. It was hard to get through. I mean... The first gig you ever played, everyone's shitting bricks when you get up on stage, and then you do it, and you're like, "Let's do that again." Let's. You just have that high. You have that experience. Being in a band is no different than doing any other task where you have to figure out how to do all these things that you've never done before. I think what's special about being in a band, in particular, I mean, it's 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 a culture. Mm. It's 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 in and of itself. It's its own little. microchasm uh of of you know vocational uh, whatever you want to call it it's 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 this thing that like if you choose to be involved in a band you kind of live that life you know um it's like late night we had some great it's laughing a lot i love to laugh i love to like make people laugh and especially when like if i get even the mildest amount bored i need to like do a shtick, you know, and I need to like, I mean, when we were coming back from South by, we were it, like, there's all these voices that come yeah, out. How was that car ride back? We uh, it was cool. Yeah, there was a couple of uh, there was Scorpion that came out of because you can't so, do any of these voices, but no. So we're coming, we're coming back from South by, and I was not driving because I don't speed. So if I was driving, mm. I would not have gotten pulled over. But uh, there was someone else driving. And he was speeding. Did he get a ticket for speeding or not wearing his seatbelt? Uh, you almost got a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt in the back seat. Wow. Oh, okay. So, okay. All right. All right. Because when you get pulled over Fuck by this. the Fuck first this. thing you do is you put your seatbelt on. Right. Okay. Apparently, in the state of New Mexico, which also, by the way, if you live in New Mexico, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be a little insensitive. Why do you live there? It's the it's it's literally where dreams go to die. Uh, and so we were we drove into New Mexico, and obviously everyone wants to get home. We're exhausted from South by. We just slept on some randos floor. And Aaron forgot my pillow. And there, there that is when Aaron forgot uh, Kyle's pillow. Apparently, it was a very nice pillow. It was, nice it was like a hundred and twenty dollar pillow or wow. something like that. I don't even coconut bliss. Oh, is what it was called. That sounds like you never a pillow got part of the GoFundMe go towards that inside <laughs> of a cotton sack. It was a gift from me to me, and it was great. I don't know. Anyway, press on. So anyway, so we were driving into New Mexico, and obviously we wanted to get home in a rush. Uh, Aaron at the time was driving, and we got pulled over, and the guy who was pulling us over. Uh, was just I'm trying in my head to like preempt how I'm gonna edit this so that it doesn't come across as incense. I'm probably not even gonna do the voice, which is great. But he was this guy that was just like super. It, 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 he just hated life, and he hated the fact that like you were in his state. Mm. And he was like, "Hey, how you doing? What you? Why are you driving so fast?" And it was just it was so in your face about we were in new mexico we weren't supposed to be he was like do you have a do you have a new mexico driver's do you have a, a driver's license from new mexico like, am i supposed to have a driver's license for every state that i travel through right. because if so i need to get on there <laughs> no um it was he just and he became a, a like a carrot like 10 seconds after we got i didn't get a ticket I didn't get the ticket. I didn't pay the ticket. It's not my <laughs> fault. But 10 seconds after, it became a giant joke. Right. It was a huge joke that lasted 
for years and years. Uh, we also were doing a lot of, we, obviously, you're on the road. You're stopping at a lot of gas stations. Mm. I don't know if you remember Haley. I remember Haley. So, oh. She's not a real person. No, she's not. She's, no, 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 no. she's not like dead or anything. No, right. it's, I, like, I'm surrounded by dudes my entire life. It's a fucking tragedy. Um, but we would stop at gas stations, and because it's a big white van with tinted windows, mm. someone's getting out, someone's pumping the gas. There, there's a golden opportunity for a hilarious, high-pitched voice of a screaming, abducted child from Haley coming from inside. Hey, no. Haley, oh, they no. took me from a Walmart. And like all these people from from you know Arizona or New Mexico are just looking over because they're freaked out. Like, is this real? Like, my phone number is this. And it was a great experience. So one of the best parts, I, the best parts of being trapped and, and being in a band is, is just, for me, it's the humor. I love like having a dialogue with people and stuff that we can share and, and laughing is such a, a bonding thing. Uh, that's amazing for me. You know, I like to laugh. Oh, yeah. It's a good I thing like to, to do. I mean, we could be here for hours, but I do want to know about uh, recent, obviously, coronavirus and this whole, all this whole thing. So beforehand, what, were you guys working on anything or doing anything that was, that obviously you said that you really wanted to use this time to keep working and keep doing things. Was there still, I mean, there obviously had to have been some sort of things that might have been pushed back or whatever. Look, right? we, we all live in this super funky period of time where no one exactly knows what's appropriate or what to do when COVID became a thing. I think it was, it's sort of the first three weeks of COVID was like a slowdown where people were like, is this actually happening? I mean, how many times in your life before 2020 had you ever used in a, on, in a sentence the words quarantine yeah. or pandemic. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever used the word pandemic and rarely had I ever used the word quarantine when I wasn't talking about, you know, the zombie apocalypse. Right, exactly. Now, those are words that you use on a daily basis, like every single day. And oh, there's yeah. like, I remember looking at people in other countries that are wearing face masks before, because we went to China Mm. And we had the opportunity to go and play in China. And it's a regular practice in China. They they wear face masks all right. the time. And it, it, it a lot of it has to do with people not wanting to spread their own personal. Uh, you know, if someone's got a cold, they're going to throw on a face mask, face mask, not so that they don't get more sick, mm. so that they don't spread their illness or, or their cold to somebody else. So, like, when COVID hit, I think it was a slowdown and then became a, a real serious kind of, like, Ooh, we're gonna have to pause for a second. Mm. And the first kind of two months were a little bit of like an unknown. You know, it's a little bit of a question mark on on what the outlook of of music looks like. I think in the right in the beginning there became this like, oh, let's all jump on the live stream train. Mm. And then you quickly became super aware that like it, people get fatigued. They don't oh, yeah. live streaming music, watching somebody play an acoustic guitar in their living room. Uh, because you're not gonna go out, you know, and and do it in a public setting, be, became super boring. Mm. Um, so like you just kind of have to continue to adapt. I don't think that there were any sort of things that we obviously we we can't play any shows. Right, like that's that's one of the biggest things. And as a musician, 
I mean, that's bread and butter. You know Did you guys I mean? have any like dates or anything set up beforehand? Like any tour dates or any for, sort of like, oh, we should, you know, a show or something planned that is well, we're, now not. I remember the, the, we, we were putting together a show with, with some guys in a band called The City and mm-hmm. they live in the Valley and, and we had a show literally booked for, I think the second weekend in March, oh. right before everything happened with them. And, you know, this is all starting to get a little weird. Everyone's kind of feeling like, how serious is this? Is, you know, and then before they even shut down, you know, you start hearing about all this stuff going on. And I just kind of pumped the brakes on the show. I was like, you know what? Honestly, I, I never like to cancel a show. If we commit, like we commit, you yeah. know what I mean? It, it could be a t- terrible fucking show, but we'll, we'll do it because we committed. And that weekend, I just remember it like shooting a text to the guys and be like, yo, I am so sorry to do this, but I don't think this is a good idea. I think that like, A, people are going to be kind of weirded out to go and see a show. Right. And B, who knows exactly the extent of what this is. Like, we just don't know much about it. And mm-hmm. later on that next weekend, um, they wound up shutting everything down. Wow. So it was just, it imme- it obviously puts an immediate stop to the notion of playing live shows. And that leaves a really big sort of like question mark to when that's all going to resume again. Right. Um, we don't, the amazing thing about music nowadays is it's something that that's can be done digitally. Mm. Like if I'm remote and I'm in Texas or I'm in New York or something like that, I have this First of all, I lean on them a ton when I'm writing. So, like, I mean, I was I was writing the other day, and I I'm literally in the mis- middle of a songwriting session, and I like pick up the phone and I I call him and I say like, hey, what do you think of this? These are my kind of options that I'm working with, and and it's like real time feedback. Um, nowadays, it's so easy to continue to be creative that you really. You can ex- use the excuse of like, yo, COVID's happening, so like we got to kind of pump the brakes. Right. But it's like we're here now. We're doing this thing yeah. now. Um, you know, there is, there's always going to be a push forward. And it's mm-hmm. just about when you accept the push forward and how you want to respond to it. Right. Obviously, the playing field is changing. Mm-hmm. Music is changing on a daily basis. People have to find new ways to create, to make money. And also to just, I mean, who's putting out music right now and how is that being received? You know, streaming is, is like sort of like in this really weird tumultuous place. It's all really super unknown. And for artists, you know, we're all sitting here like a lot of people making their living off of touring suddenly are finding out like, oh, oh my God, like what am I going to do? Right. Um, when is this going to return back to a semblance of normality? Um, but it didn't it didn't impede too many immediate things and yeah. we've remained fairly active especially now that we're we're almost august it's become a situation where i think everyone's got a firm enough grasp on on the limitations of right. what people are willing to and not willing to do that there are ways to you don't have any excuses get out there and do something <laughs> you know what i mean like there are safety protocols oh, and, for sure. and things put in place where like, you know, you know, you're going to wear a mask when you're outside. So, you know. right. Well, along with that, then did you have any, did it give you any sort of additional inspiration, like working on music or anything? Was there, cause again, you're a pro- a probably at home for, you know, most of the day, if not the entire day, most of the time, did it give you any sort of, and you as well, I don't know, have you, cause so you say that you usually write and then you bring your lyrics to them. Is it ever the other way around? Is it ever, yeah. 
No, it's always it's always like first. that. Um, I think, I mean, we were we were literally just in his apartment, and I think that it's an um, again an amazing tool that people have at their disposal. If you are creative, you will literally find a way to do what you need to do. I mean, his girlfriend is an amazing singer songwriter. And you just, you started doing home studio stuff too. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like March was the end of, I would play every Friday, every Saturday gigs. Uh, that was, that was my source of income. And yeah. I literally sent a text today. I was like, wow, that's really true. I think I played drums once in March, once in May, once wow. in uh june and then yesterday yesterday we shot a music video it wasn't even like playing his normal yeah and it's it just like and it's something i've been doing since i was seven years old right. like you yeah. know and it's like what i do so it's it's pretty crazy so i yeah i took two and i think a lot of people uh did the same thing and there was a lot of sales and a lot of free trials and it was just like you know what it's time like let's open up this box of uh the home studio thing and since we can't go out and play shows let's create and instead of just having an idea uh and being a drummer um just a stupid old drummer with nothing else to do. Uh, no, <laughs> the uh, the ability to just put put it in a box and like be able to get your ideas out and get it out there. You know, I'm not, especially in this band, not the main the main songwriter. So like, you know, whether it's somebody picking up an instrument, whether it's uh, co-writing, whether it's getting stuff out there and just being able to fulfill your creativity in other ways. And I think a lot of people have done that. I know a lot of my drummer friends have picked up guitar, picked up bass. You know. Uh, have been doing a lot of different things, working on their craft, mm. you know, spending a lot more time, even though we're not playing shows, we're still writing. Sure. Uh, we're still rehearsing. We're, st you know, everything. The only thing that stopped is, is I guess the actual face to face interaction with fans. But, um, you know, I mean, there's still ways to make music. There's music videos. There's, you know, everything that we can do, we are doing both in the band and, you know, on our own personal time that's awesome uh before we end i do want to get one more question if we have any yeah, just, yeah. Uh, um we well we up. got there's two quick ones uh i think this one's more for kyle uh what country song uh, yeah and david too uh would you like to <laughs> would you like to add your twist you know to it that's the question no comment <laughs> <laughs> what country None. song would i like to add my twist on that, it, that's yeah your twist i, I don't a know peppering yeah. of kjm yeah. <laughs> you know i don't i don't know if i like the the stuff that i really like uh, I would say I'll I'll spin your question a little bit. Mm -hmm. The country artists that I would love to play for mm. <laughs> uh, a lot of country artists, um, you know, they're it's a, t a huge team that that puts these songs together, and you know, there's studio musicians and touring guys and everything. So to be a part of that, you're always putting your twist on something. But uh, Morgan Wallen is is like my number one dude mm -hmm. right now, um, and I just think literally everything he puts out is gold. Uh, and it's it's not the recycled garbage as I mentioned earlier. It's something new. It's something different every time. And yeah, to be a, to be able to like play in that live band, I think that would be something that would be neat. Yeah. And then uh, I, this could be for both of you too. You kind of answered it yourself, Kyle. But uh, dream collaboration. Who would you guys want to oh, work with? That'd be great. Um, hmm. <laughs> I think that. Uh, I don't. It would have to be somebody who would bring something to the table that inherently I couldn't like just superimpose myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that like some feminine energy would be. I was amazing. gonna say I had. I was, sorry to interrupt you. Please. I feel like Halsey 
I know that Halsey would be, would be I would, I'm very interested to see that combination. But personally, I like old Halsey, not a big fan of her newer stuff. But I feel I would be very interested to see that combination. But you go, I stole it from you. You know who I absolutely <laughs> like love to death is an artist that I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Her name is Kim Petras. I do you not. guys know who Kim Petras is? I have is? heard. I have not, Kim not Petras super familiar. is like mm, so fucking tight. She's awesome at what she does. Um, and, and she's, she's also worked with Dr. Luke, her and her, oh. her, um, her DJ, who's also the guy that she writes with, um, they write together and they've worked with Dr. Luke. I, it's funny cause it's like, sometimes it can be an artist. A lot of times it's a producer for mm. me. Like I love Kim Petras and I love Katy Perry and I love all these artists. And when you sort of like walk back through the tree you start to like you 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 start to realize that a lot of the reason why you like that artist and that artist is like that artist is because they've shared producers yeah kesha's worked with dr luke katie perry's worked with mm-hmm. dr luke uh kim petras there's all these different artists that all uh have can be traced so i mean like for me i would definitely say uh Kim Petras as an artist, but Dr. Luke as a as a, a producer would be amazing. I think between the 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 writing being already in that sort of vein would be just that's awesome. Nice. And you, uh, you know, I like to. Uh, <laughs> do you good or you? No, I'm no? good. Well, like I said, mine's more of a not really collaborating, but more or less, you know, being a part of of the musical experience. Or mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a question I, I like to you know ask all our guests, but uh, if there's any. What's one piece of advice you would pass on to somebody getting question. into the music industry or uh, starting a band? You know, a ki- you know, kid, any anybody really. Do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, you I know mean, I can talk for ten you minutes. You can. I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, David and I have both been doing this for so long, and we just recently, in the past four years, you know, crossed paths. But you know, from the beginning, I can trace why I'm sitting on this couch right now to the first decision I ever made with music Uh, from being frustrated in fourth grade why the percussionists weren't any good and joining band and uh, that whole thing but it's like just always trusting that there's a next step what you're doing is going to get you to somewhere else you know even if you're at the top but I just not giving up on that and trusting that there's always what you're doing is is meaningful and is beneficial to you as a person, as an artist, as you're you know perfecting your craft. And there's always there's you're always getting something out of what you're doing. And as long as you don't give up, you're gonna reach where you want to go. Sweet. I think it's pretty fantastic. I think that um, if I could go back and like sit myself down and be like, "Yo, dude." Let's hey, have little a, Let's have a chat about something before you walk down this whole path in life of of I want to do this and I want to I want to do this. I feel like there's a couple of of key things that are gonna really mess you up along the way as mentally, and one of them is comparison. Mm. Comparing, we live in a culture where we constantly are inundated with everyone's best life right we have we open up our phones in the morning and we're literally slapped in the face with like just somebody doing something that's awesome and it for me at least it always triggers anxiety Mm -hmm. i'm like i gotta be doing things now um and there's a a saying which is comparison is the thief of joy there is no quicker way to make yourself unhappy Mm -hmm. and if you're unhappy it 
you better believe that whatever you're creating is not going to be that great. There's no faster way to create bad songs, bad art, than by comparing yourself to somebody that has nothing to do with you, has not had the same set of circumstances as you, and comparing them to what you have going on and saying, well, like, why don't I have that? And I remember being young and doing that, be like, well, I try hard, you know? Right. And that's like the biggest load of shit that you can ever try and justify. It's not like that. Life is not like that. And we live in this place now where all we see is the end result. We only see everyone's quote unquote best life or what their newest thing is. We don't know what their struggle coming up was like. And we don't know what kind of horrible shit happened to them that made it so that they were emotionally vulnerable enough to write a huge smash hit song that like really connected with people. So I think that if you can do yourself one favor is before you like go down this road, make sure that like you're not looking at somebody else and being like, well, why am I not as good as them? Or why don't I have enough of what they have? Because everybody's different. Right. I definitely think that's important. Well, I think we're riding out of time. I believe we're gone past the hour mark. This has been a great conversation. It's great to have you guys on. Great Um, to be here. Before we go, though, obviously, I'd love you guys to tell us what you got going on. What's, you know, if you want to shout anything out, feel free to go for it. Yeah, totally. Um, We are in the midst of, we have a couple of new singles coming out. We are not announcing uh, when (laughs) and what those names are, but like we are continuing to release music through the year. So expect two to three more singles before the end of the year. We also have some music videos coming your way um most uh closest to now is going to be our our new music video which we actually just shot yesterday um that should be coming out sometime in the middle of august that's going to be for our newest single think twice awesome i'm excited well again thank you so much for being on thank you guys for having us really had a great time on here guys uh and love uh, the energy yeah of course and as always we will see you guys uh on thursday right thursday yeah Yeah, exactly we'll see you guys on uh thursday at five o'clock and again thank you guys for coming on. don't forget david laviola and kyle jordan mueller on momentum rebellion everybody thank you so much